Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and is so relieved we recorded our last show before that dreadful, dreadful result at Anfield. I'm Kevin Day and he's Liverpool University's Brighton supporting fan, Kieran Maguire. And Kieran, there's me accusing you of being optimistic because you thought you'd get a point and I said it'd be at least 4-0 and you, you ruined my evening. I'm, I'm terribly sorry about that. I, I've, I've, uh, I've contacted Graham Potter and, and the lads <laughs> and said, uh, you do know that you've, you've caused tears in South London uh, as a result of that magnificent performance. Well, the, the, the best bit, as, as the final whistle went, I think it's fair to say I, I expostulated. Uh, <laughs> and, and Ali, God love her, we've been married some time. She actually said to me, you're going to text congratulations to Kieran. And she wasn't impressed with my reply. She her exact words were, you're better than that. <laughs> but as it turned out, did you get a text? No, you didn't. So I'm not better than that. <laughs> it's um, it's questions day, uh, Kieran. But of course, we have some news stories before that, including the big news that producer Guy has changed the font on his email. Um, stay with us, new listeners. It does get more interesting. Uh, I'm worried that we might have a lot of new Leeds fans thinking, oh, that's great, that's brilliant, that last pod with that, all that Leeds stuff, and they might be slightly disappointed. But other Premier League clubs, Kieran, have been discussing new UEFA proposals which could see six English clubs playing in the Champions League. This could be our chance, Kieran. It could indeed. There was there was a meeting on Thursday of shareholders of the Premier League, and they have these about once a month, and it's you know normally a bit of a chin wag. Uh, this is very much on the back of big picture European Super League, uh, and it's UEFA's response. And the, the the threats of the private Super League, mm. I think, were always going to be a negotiation ploy because that's the way it's operated in the past. Every time the TV deal comes up for renewal and the format comes up for renewal, they'll or, yeah we, we don't we don't like it. We're going to take our toys away and, and go down the other end of the street. Yeah, that that type of mentality. So th- there was no great surprise in this. So the way that it's looking now is this: first of all, this this strange thing called the Swiss model, mm. um, and uh, just just let me check. We, you, you've not been out of any Swiss models, have you? I, I've not. I've not. I, 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 when, when I was when I was doing my O levels back in the late seventies, I did actually walk past a place in Brighton which said French lessons given, and I oh, knocked okay. on the door. <laughs> and, and it was, and, and I, I was a sweet and innocent young boy, and I realised 
I, that, that, that sounds like a Skegness accent. It, do, it doesn't sound very Prisian to me, and, and I absolutely legged it. Um, but no, well, it's, um, there's no reason why somebody from Skegness can't speak fluent French, Kieran. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah oh, I, I, mean, I guess so. <laughs> but it, from from the how much and uh, yeah, that, 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 I thought we sort of broad, broaden the uh, broaden the horizon there. Come be um, um So so the Swiss model, Kieran. So the Swiss model. Yeah, the Swiss model is that first of all, there's going to be 36 teams uh, proposed for the competition. Presently, we have 32, um, and each team is going to be seeded. And then you will play so many uh, top seeds, so many second seeds, and so on. So it's, it's quite complicated. Um, and the, the important thing is, what what is it that the big clubs want? They mm. want more certainty in terms of qualifying for the tournament. And they want more money. So how are they going to achieve both? Well, first of all, in, in terms of the, the greater chance of qualifying for the tournament, um, the, the top four clubs from the Premier League would qualify, and and of these four extra places going to uh, the Champions League, it looks of at least a couple of them um, under the proposals would go to the clubs with the highest UEFA coefficient, i.e. if you've been successful historically in the Champions League, you get an increased coefficient each year and provided you finish fifth or sixth in the Premier League this could allow you to sneak in through the back door into this uh, this 36 team uh, behemoth and and then it gets more complicated the top eight teams would qualify for the knockout and then the teams in places 9 to 24 they would go into a knockout to get into the knockout, i.e. more fixtures. Right, okay. And that, more fixtures equals more money. Yeah. It's the, and the, they're determined to get rid of the Carabao Cup somewhere or ever, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, so, certainly the big issue is how can this be achieved in, in what is already a congested fixture card? Hmm. So you've got to look at the things from the domestic point of view. Um I, I I had a word with somebody from from a club in the Premier League. Say, okay, well, what what are the implications for this? Are they going to try to push for an eighteen team Premier League? And he says he can't see them getting it through because you need fourteen votes. Yeah, and you know, why why would Palace and Brighton and Leeds and Villa vote for a smaller? Premier League because it means less money for those clubs. Yeah. It's, you know, there's already a huge gap between the big six and the other fourteen. This is going to increase that that gap even further. Um, and you know, Palace have deservedly won at Old Trafford. Brighton have deservedly won at Anfield, and and that degree of uncertainty is is part of the why the Premier League is so fantastic. Mm. And that's why Manchester United and Liverpool want to take it away because mm. they want certainty of results. Um, so I don't think that will go through, but Carabao Cup is is looking very precarious, is my understanding. Um, and I think the other casualty is is going to be the FA Cup. Uh, you know, at present, you, you and I are both old enough to to remember uh, endless uh, replays un- yeah. until a match was decided, mm. and, and that's part of the reason why we hate each other. Absolutely. Going back to 1976, club, and we wouldn't our, have our, it. Our clubs hate each other, Kieran. Let's yeah. Well, yes, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, so uh, there will be no replays in the uh, FA Cup and only the third round will take place over a weekend 
and the rest of the Premier League, sorry, the rest of the FA Cup will switch to midweek. Mm. So this frees up Saturdays because the other thing that the uh, the clubs want is the prospect of Champions League matches taking place at the weekend. And, and the reason behind this, as we've spoken before, is that the next big money train, as far as TV money is concerned, is in Asia. So if you can have matches kicking off at yeah. midday, Saturday and Sunday, in the Champions League in Europe, that's prime time Saturday and Sunday evenings in Asia. Yeah, and it wouldn't bother them that fans would have to travel several hundred or a thousand miles to get to a kickoff at midday on Saturday, whatever it was. Kieran, just because we have got a packed pod today, uh, so we do need to move on. But that you mentioned that historical coefficient. Presumably that relates to leagues, not individual clubs. So you wouldn't have a situation whereby, say, Palace finished fifth and Tottenham finished seventh, but Tottenham would take the place because of their European history rather than a club like Palace, which happened in 1991 when Liverpool were allowed back in. Not that we're bitter about it, but... Um, unfortunately not. It, it is going to be based on individual club coefficients. Oh, well, really? Oh, so okay. because, because what will happen is that you will look across the whole of Europe and say of the clubs which have finished fifth or sixth or you know, outside the, <clears throat> the automatic which, qualifying yeah. rounds, it's which are the next two highest clubs based on uh, their overall performance in Europe over the course of the last five years. That's not going to play well, is it? If if Tottenham finishing in thirteenth place end up in the Champions League, well, you know, you, you've got to finish fifth or sixth. Oh, you first. have to finish fifth or sixth. Oh, I see. And, and, I get and it. then okay. it gets applied. That's why I wanted to clarify that. That's good. Yeah, that, that's that's brilliant because that saves me uh, spreading angry tweet rumours that bounce back in my face. <laughs> um, still in Europe, Kieran. Um, we're not, unfortunately, but that's a value judgment. France's top league has failed to auction off four lots of TV rights for the next three seasons. Now, this happened a few days ago, and we've we've held it over till today because we didn't have time to do it justice before, and we may not again, but this is a big, big story for French football, isn't it? This is, this is very serious repercussions for French football. Mm. Um, that, a bit like the, uh, the domestic deal we have here in the UK, uh, the, the, the rights are split. So it was uh, one went to a company called MediaPro, which then sold them on, and the, then Bayen or Bein bought the other package, which they sold on to Canal Plus. Um, and uh, MediaPro stopped paying. Um, they stopped paying their instalment. Canal Plus, they fell out with the French football authorities, the LFP. But Media Pro then said, we're not going to pay anymore. Uh, so th- there's a contractual dispute. They- they've paid the-, the French football authorities, I think, 100 million euros to walk away from the deal, which-, which sounds like a lot of money, but they were committed to paying around about 2.7 billion over the course of four years. So it was actually a relatively low uh, get-out clause there. Um, and and the French football authorities thought, well, it, this is this is a win win for us because yeah, we, we've got this we've got this money from Media Pro, um, and now we'll be able to go and flog the rights again. And they put it out to tender, and uh, we yeah, we had the likes of DAZN, Amazon Prime, and Discovery, all of these OTT broadcasters coming in, and they all bid buttons, and it went below the the minimum reserve price, and as a consequence. Uh, you know, th- there's now this void in terms of French football. It's not going to affect the big clubs. 
who have got rich owners, but the the smaller clubs in, in League One and League Two or League One and League Two. Um, you see, she may have had a see, she, she, she did teach me some. She did teach me one or two things, to be fair. Um, but um, they they are in genuine financial problems at present, and trying to work a way out of this is, is going to be. Uh, a tricky uh, mm. and B could lead to clubs going to the wall, which nobody wants at, at any level of, of any football. Um, uh, sorry, can you know my job is to ask the idiot question? OTT broadcaster is o- over the top. Uh, I not it's not a traditional direct broadcaster. It's it's using set top boxes, yeah, a bit like Amazon Prime, Netflix, things right, of yeah, that okay. nature. Okay, um, and uh, it's in the nature of, of football fans that when this news filtered through a couple of days ago, Palace fans going, oh, will there be some French bargains available then? It, it, will this lead, you think, to a fire sale of players from French football? Well, th- there was a potential fire sale of players from French football in January, but of course we couldn't sign them because they didn't qualify under the, uh, the, the post-Brexit uh, points rules. So right, okay. th- that opportunity, I-, I think, was slightly stifled. Okay. Um, one more news story. And I, <laughs> I kind of like this news story because it's one of those, well, they would, wouldn't they, stories? Because the owners of Inter Milan have publicly said they need more investment in the club. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, yeah we, I think you, you and I, we, we'd both like more money. Uh, we, yeah, that, that, goes, that goes without saying. Um, but this, uh, this, this, this is quite a, a deep story. The the owners of Inter Milan are a company called Suning Holdings, which is a Chinese-based company. They bought uh, Inter in 2016. Um, they want to restore Inter to preeminence of an Italian football, which is going to be a challenge given you know, Juventus have been cleaning up recently. Yeah. But, but they have spent money. You know, Christian Eriksen's went there. Uh, Romelu Lukaku's done there, and he's done fantastically well since going there. Um, so as a consequence, they're, they're losing money hand over fist. Um, and uh, Suning Holdings uh, itself, I think, has significant debts, so it can't put more money into the club. So now there's talk um, with a company called BC Partners, which is a private equity house based in London. Now, now I've taught there, um, and it, it's, it's the most opulent place I've ever taught. It's the only time um, that I've ever been served by a butler in, in in a tea break in a lecture, yeah, it, it is, and, and and that is genuine. And I was going, who's this bloke here? Yeah, and he, and, he, and he was sort of you know, giving me really you know, you know posh biscuits, uh, you know proper ones, um, and uh, even even my water was you know it was fr- it was from some spa somewhere in Switzerland, <laughs> which uh, which I'd never heard of. It, it tasted like water to me. Yeah, me, I'm, I'm I know my water inside out. Um, so uh, th- this company, BC Partners, are. Uh, initially, they said no, the price was too high. But looking at developments over the last 24 hours, it could be that they get involved with a takeover. And then I think it will be intriguing because they will be certainly pushing for some of these things which we've discussed in recent weeks in terms of you know, into being guaranteed a place in the Champions League and things of this nature. Because they're they're not in it for love. They're in it for money, um, and, and that's that's what that's what happens when you get involved with private equity. And, and that's you know we, we know the moral and ethical views that we have, but from a financial perspective, they will be pushing to to make to run the club on, on a far more profitable basis. Mm. The only time I've ever been served by a butler was through a TV show, and it was Neil Ruddock 
uh, and he'd forgotten his, he's forgotten his butler trousers. So, oh my god! I know exactly. That's pretty much our reaction. It's like I don't stop dunking that in the tea. It's just <laughs> the digestive's going the tea, Neil. Not nothing else. Thank you. Um, so yes, yeah, question time. So we've got some really interesting questions, Kieran, and a couple of proper uh, accounting ones for you. So I know you'll be champing at the bit. The first question comes from Aidan Harris, and Aidan says we've had quite a few unusual kickoff times this season, like five thirty on a Monday evening. Does the time of the kickoff? impact on the amount of money that clubs make from the TV deal and other income. Now, Kieran, as well, I know we're not supposed to talk about uh, non-financial football matters. I know Guy gets a bit antsy because there's hundreds of podcasts doing that. But as we mentioned in the subject, thank you, Aidan, I reckon kickoff times is a massive reason why so many fans have got so little emotional attachment to this season. Remember the days when you had a tournament on and you think, oh, there's a game at four o'clock, this is brilliant. These 5.30 kickoffs, 7.30 on Sunday, I know it's an odd season, but these, these kickoff times are doing everybody's head in. You know, the, the, first, the first time it happened, we all sat down for a day and watched all the games, but now it's just like, why is, it, why is there a game at 5.30 on Monday? But does it affect the, the financial deal? It, it, it does and it doesn't. It depends upon which league you're looking at. Um, in terms of the domestic deals um, for the Premier League, if you appear more than 10 times in a season, you get an automatic additional payment of £1 million. Now, that's regardless as, as, as to whether you're the home or away team. That's regardless as to the kickoff. Mm-hmm. So, so that won't impact. Um, whether that will in, in future years impact when, when we're looking at the overseas deals, especially those Asia deals I mentioned earlier, uh, I, th- I think that will be, that will be uh, another cause for concern. When it comes to the EFL deals, they are linked to kickoff times. So Sky have some matches which, uh, yeah, w- without wanting to sound harsh, they, they are spoilers. Yeah, they, they, are, they are up against BT Sports 12.30 on a Saturday, yeah, and the aim is to take some of the market away from BT Sport, and, and yeah, I think everybody knows that. Um, you know, s- some of those matches don't pay particularly well. Um, s- some of the the other ones on for, on Sky pay higher amounts. So Sky Sky's uh, varies depending upon the kickoff time, and it also varies depending on whether or not you are the home or away team. And and this was one of the. Uh, big issues that the the previous Leeds United owner uh, Massimo Cellini, who was yeah, you know, I'm I'm just disappointed he wasn't around when when we started the podcast because uh, you know he he would have left Derby County trailing in his wake with his <laughs> regular tales of complete <laughs> lunacy. He was suing people left, right, and centre, and he banned Sky on one occasion. Yeah, so uh, but his his big issue was that Leeds were the biggest draw yeah. in the EFL and and, and right. So they are in, in terms of yeah. viewing figures, um, and they normally used to get ten grand if they were the away team. And of course, you know, Sky Sky would always want Leeds away to Derby, away to Forest, away to Borough because they they generated big audiences. So you can understand uh, that issue. Uh, so in terms of TV deal income, um, it doesn't really make a lot of difference. However, he, Aiden also asked about other income. And here it does have an impact because if you are selling hospitality packages, if it's five thirty on a Monday evening and you are and it is Burnley versus Brighton, um, you're you're going to struggle. So therefore, you know how do you attract people in? You you start messing around with the prices. So prime time kickoff times um, are always going to generate 
a more more hospitality boxes being sold um and b the the value of of those uh of those boxes is is going to go up or down accordingly and yeah when you're trying to sell these things for for the big clubs it probably doesn't make a huge amount of difference but they don't tend to be the ones you know there's no way that sky and bt or amazon are going to say oh you know liverpool versus chelsea 5 30 on a on a monday evening you know it, it is it is going to be the the second tier clubs that tend to pick up those types of deals yeah, well done for mentioning that Aidan had said uh, about other income as well, as I put that bit in brackets, and I shouldn't do that because subconsciously I go, oh, it's in brackets, I probably don't need to read that out. Um, you can host a show if you want, Kieran, in the future, if you're going to pick up. Um, just You mentioned um, if, this, if these were normal times and every game wasn't on telly, so you said you get if uh, nine extra games, you get a million pounds, is that right? Um, it's the, the first 10 are included in the deal. Right. And, and then every time you appear more than 10 times, right. it, it works out as, as an extra million. Now, that, that's in, that's in the, it'll be slightly less this year because yeah, there's rebates and so on. But you know, in, in a normal non-COVID year, gotcha. that used okay. to be the, the way that, that right. the money was doled out. And, and that, that's fair because, you know, again, you, Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea are the big draws in, yeah. in English football. Yeah, fair point. Uh, now, our next question, Kieran, is from Tom. Uh, no surname, just Tom. But he's a York City fan, so I shall call him Tom York and pretend <laughs> that we've had a Drum question. He's had it. We'll pretend he's, we've had a question from the lead singer of Radiohead. Um, Tom York refers to the recent sell-on fee that York City got from uh, Ben Godfrey, which is around £2 million, uh, which is a lot of money, as Tom York points out, uh, at that level. Are there financial fair play rules in non-league football, or is there nothing to stop York, for example, spending huge sums on transfers and salaries to buy their way back into the Football League? Um, No, at present, there are no financial fair play rules operating in the National League. And this is a a criticism which has been levelled at Salford City. uh, because Particularly by um, the owner of Accrington. Yes. Yeah. uh, yeah, and uh, Salford lost huge sums of money in, in getting up from, uh, you know, first of all to National League North, which they sailed through, then into the National League, and the, and they were promoted on the back of that. Um, and Andy Holt uh, had a, a very entertaining Twitter spat with yeah. Gary Neville, um, of, of which I'm 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 in there refereeing, sort of, <laughs> or, or or shit stirring. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's sometimes referred to by by just dropping in the numbers. You know, so when, when, when things were going quite, I say, well, what about you? Know, you look at this number here. That's, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Look at those losses. That's fifty thousand pound a week. I'll hold your coat. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a a non league club can you know, for want of a better word, buy its way out of the league. Um, having said that, you know, to get out of the National League is really tough. Yeah. Um, I, I've put up the the losses made by National League clubs out on social media, and I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, it's 23 out of 24 clubs in, in the Senior National League uh, are losing money because they've got, the, to a certain extent, they've got the worst of both worlds. They don't have any TV money as such. You know, th- there is a deal with BT, but it, but it pays buttons. Um, and the majority of them are now full time uh, in, in terms of uh, you know in terms of players. So therefore, they've got significant wage bills. Um, 
the, the, the benefits of going into the EFL are, are sort of on, on a relative basis, on a percentage basis, is similar to going up from the championship to the the Premier League. You you go from you know ten or twenty thousand pounds a year in TV money to to well over a million. So you can see why clubs are uh, incentivized to do that. Uh, but there, there are presently no uh, no financial fair play rules, is my understanding. And I was talking to uh, a mutual friend of ours who's connected with a National League club just before we recorded this show, just to confirm that. Um, so, so whether they will be introduced in the future, we don't know. But uh, the National League, and I think we, we, we will probably run a whole show all about the National League in, yeah. in the next few weeks because mm-hmm. it is turning incredibly nasty. Uh, as to what's happening on there. Uh, there's clearly conflicts between clubs. There's conflicts between some clubs and the people operating the National League in terms of governance issues and transparency issues. Um, and uh, it, it's uh, it, it's a goddamn mess at present. Yeah, that might be one of those pods where we, we break our golden rule and get two guests on at the same time and just leave them to it, basically. And just <laughs> let go edit it out. Um, and also, I suppose, you know, in fairness to Salford fans, we should point out you can't really buy your way out of any league. You can, you can money helps, and you can get good players, but they've still got to be managed, and they've still got to be coached. And there's no guarantee that buying the best players will will get you promotion. And of course, there's always that risk that it bankrupts a club trying to do so. Now, Kieran, here's the first of your lovely, lovely accounting question, <laughs> and it comes. That's a chuckle you only do when you've got an accounting question coming up. Um, Adam Davis, we have been married together too long. I recognise that chuckle. There's an accounting question coming up. <laughs> it's like when you know the cat's going to have a number one or a number two when she's going out in the garden. It's terrible, isn't it? Um, Adam, <laughs> I shouldn't be watching the cat go to the toilet in the garden either, but that's way too much. Oh, it, 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 we're in lockdown. There's nothing, nothing else to do. That's, that's, that's true, actually, yes. Um, have you got the snow again? Oh, this, we've got the snow again. It's literally, literally a <laughs> quarter of a millimetre uh, Adam Davis has a question about player values and how they appear in financial accounts. Now, we've sort of skirted around this before, and it's still something I struggle to get my head around, to be probably honest, Kieran. But Adam points out players are classed as intangible assets, and the value is applied to them for the accounts. Now, how are these values calculated, and could they be under or overestimated to make accounts look better or worse? Right. Uh, l- let me unpack these questions. First of all, um, a value is applied to the players. The value is the cost of the registration certificate, i.e. it is the compensation, which we refer to as a transfer fee, paid to the previous employer, plus any amounts paid to agents, um, plus any uh, any taxes that will be paid on 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 in terms of the deal so so it's not it's not a case of plucking a number from thin air it's okay. how much did you pay for the player right. and, and this means that those players that are coming through the youth ranks and this sort of goes back to a question we had recently we uh, yeah, the likes of Marcus Rashford the likes of Harry Kane they appear at a zero value in the books of the clubs um and because and the reason for that is the club didn't pay anything for those registrations. It didn't have to compensate somebody else. Um, can they be over or under exaggerated uh, in an effort to make a club's accounts look better or worse than they may seem? Well, it, it, they shouldn't be because it's a definitive number. Um, and what the clubs then do is, let's say that you sign a player for £10 million, he's on a four-year contract, and therefore you say it's costing us £2.5 million a year 
in terms of that contract over the life of it. And that's what we refer to as amortization. So you can't over or under exaggerate your amortization unless there are two potential circumstances. One is the players a bit bobbins. Um, and therefore you can say, well, we paid £10 million for him. He's rubbish. Even if we tried to flog him after a year, we'll get next to nothing for him. So this is what's referred to as an amortization, uh, sorry, as an impairment charge. And the second way of making the accounts look better or worse than they may seem is if you are Derby County. <laughs> okay. Because might, what might, Derby County do, quick, yeah. <laughs> yes, what Derby County do is they say we're going to ignore the standard rules and we're going to decide um, what the players' values are at the end of the season, and we're going to use things such as transfer market. Now, we actually covered issues to do with transfer market a couple of months ago on the show, and it turns out that where do transfer market get its values from? It's blokes in their bedrooms sort of saying yeah. well i think he's worth such and such and transfer market say oh cheers very much uh, and it and to a large extent it's it's guesswork i mean, i i i get uh i i get a phone call from a a very very high ranking financial institution normally once or twice a year and they'll say to me what do you think is club x worth and i say well Based on my sums, which, you know, it's just me asking around on my spreadsheet, I think the club's worth X or Y. And they say, thanks very much. And the next minute it's in the newspapers. And, it, and once it's yeah, in the newspapers, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. taken as a given. Yeah. And, you know, I, I could have made a mistake in my calculations. I could have had subconscious bias in my calculations and things of this nature. There, there's no sort of peer review um yeah it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit uh strange the derby approach and i'll say no more than that because uh the efl are presently appealing the uh the way that derby have been let off by the uh by the, by the charge commission mm. if it's any consolation kieran i get a phone call from a high-ranking financial institution on a pretty much weekly basis at the moment so I'm ahead of you. Now, just there's a couple of questions, Kieran. You probably have explained this to me before, but we, we know all about my attention span. You would make your accounts look worse for what reason? To to pay less tax? Um, it, it could be to pay less tax. I mean, but highly unlikely, given that most football clubs are losing money already and if you if, you know and people always say to me how do you pay less tax simple you earn less money so yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, if you've already if you already lost money then you don't pay any tax full stop um you you might you might want to do it not to make them necessarily look worse but to uh try to manage or manage i think it's the correct way of saying it <laughs> you say manage I, I yeah you got manage and menage mixed up there didn't you Kieran? <laughs> <laughs> not for the first time <laughs> um but, but try, try, trying to manage financial fair play in the top two divisions because it's assessed over three years so what you might want to do is let, let's say that uh you you Let's say you're a club in the championship. You're allowed to lose thirty thirty nine million pounds over three years. You do your sums, and uh, you, you're only going to lose about twenty five. Right. Well, under those circumstances, you might say, "Well, well, let's increase our amortisation stroke impairment charge, um, and therefore we can you know, add another ten million pounds on now because that means that we've got another ten million pounds to play with next year." If, if you take a look at um, Aston Villa's accounts in 2016, 
um, and I'm sure you'll be rushing off, Kevin, as soon as we finish this conversation to do that, um, you will see that, that they wrote off about £80 million in the year that they were relegated from the, the Premier League, because under the Premier League rules, you were allowed to lose far more money than, than you were in the Championship. And this meant that they could, I wouldn't say manipulate, because that would be an inappropriate thing to say, but that gave them a bit of leeway when they were relegated to, to the Championship. Hmm. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. And I hesitate to compare human beings to objects, Kieran, but you know, Palace, for example, signed Mateta from Mainz. Does, does he, like a second-hand car, does his value depreciate immediately he signed that contract? Um, for, for the purpose of the account, no. It, it, it's done on a monthly basis, and, and it's, just, it's, just a straight, uh, it's just a straight charge. You, you can use different rules and regulations, and, you know, uh, uh, you know, and, I, and I, you know, when I'm teaching people, I will show them six different methods depending on how you, how, you know. I've always said to people, when it comes to profit, let's close the doors, let's put down the blinds. What do you want it to be? Yeah, fair enough. Okay, our next question comes from Bobby Borisov. And Bobby says, hi, lads. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Dr. Nick. Um, <laughs> Bobby is, uh, and I quote, a few points deep here. <laughs> I, do, I don't know when Bobby sent the question, but congratulations, Bobby. Um and Bobby, a few points deep, has noticed that uh, we're his best mates, the best mates he's ever had. <laughs> uh, and also, as a few points deep, he's noticed that Everton and Villa are both sponsored by Kazoo. And quite simply, Bobby says, are there any rules to stop one company sponsoring more than one club? Obviously not. But could they sponsor every team in the league? Uh, y- yes, they could. I mean, if, if you take a look at the the championship, uh, sort of three about three or four years ago, I think thirty two red. Uh, they, they've sponsored three or four oh, clubs yeah. Yeah. in the championship, plus Rangers in the SPFL. Uh, I think Rangers and Celtic at one time used to have the same sponsor as well. Uh, th- there's nothing to stop this apart from the size of your overall sponsorship budget. That that would be 
the issue. Um, but there are no Premier League rules uh, in, in relation to this or, or EFL or SPFL rules. And on a similar note, Natasha Sims has pointed out that Everton men's shirts, as we just heard from Bobby, are sponsored by Kazoo, but the women's shirts are sponsored by Megaphon. Why don't more women's sides do this, and could it be an opportunity to generate their own separate revenue? Um, yeah, I, th- I think in in the long term, as, as the WSL grows and it has its own brand and its own demographics in terms of appeal, this will become more and more common. Um, at, at present, I, th- I think the WSL clubs are yeah, they're not generating huge amounts of uh, exposure. Uh, you know, in terms of yeah, they're now getting slots uh, in terms of of TV companies, and yeah, we're starting to see more and more columns appearing, mainly in the broadsheet papers. Yeah, but it's, yeah, so, so it's, yeah. it's, it is positive. So therefore, you know, from from a sponsor's point of view, um, it will then say, well, this this is this is an opportunity for our our, our brand to uh, to be shown more. I, I think I think we will see more of it going forwards, but at present, because the numbers don't tend to be significant, it's actually more of a pain in the arse for both the the kit manufacturer to have to go and produce a separate sponsor on on the front of the shirt, mm. um, and the marketing department to to try to persuade other interested parties. You know, we, we've got the new the new WSL shirt and so on. Um, but but certainly going forwards, um, I, I expect this to be the case. Mm-hmm. It's another accounting question coming up, Kieran. Get the chuckle ready. Paul Glover. <laughs> Paul Glover says, with Manchester United in particular using plus one year contracts, e.g. Paul Pogba, uh, I should say plus one year rather than plus one year because you, you say Manage has thrown me. <laughs> Emphasis wise, uh, how does the how does this balance with amortisation? So, would an extra year on the contract be would be added on, or do clubs get a three years worth of amortisation? Um, no, the, the way that amortisation works is that you take uh, the the value of the player in the balance sheet and you divide that by the remaining uh, the, the remaining life. So, if if you if Paul Pogba was valued at twenty million pounds with one year of his contract left. And Manchester United all of a sudden said, uh, "We're going to we're going to uh, use our option to uh, make you stay for an extra year." It would halve the amortisation charge. So that's all that happens. Okay, right. Okay. Cormac Ross is a Fulham fan, and their decision to buy Anthony Knockhart from your mob last summer after a mediocre year on loan is bothering him because he says he's now on loan at Forest, and Cormac wonders why you would buy a player permanently just to move them out on loan. Um, well, in, in terms of what's happening, um, it did seem a strange him going out to Forest or or Brighton Hove Albion two, as they are now known, because <laughs> it's Chris, Chris Hewton uh, is yeah. the manager. Glenn Murray scored twice yesterday. Anthony Knockhart uh, scored as well, and one of the assists was from our left back or former left back, Gaten Bong. So, uh, you know, Chris Hewton, you know, once he likes a player, that's it. You know, yeah, you're yeah. you're you're in Chris's good books. Um, the, the the issue that surrounds this is all to do with the small print of the loan agreement. Um, some loan agreements have what's referred to as an option to buy at the end of the loan period, where the two yeah. clubs will agree a set fee, and, and this gives certainty for both parties. And other contracts have what is known as an obligation to buy, i.e. you have the player on loan for a year. It could be that for financial fair play purposes, uh, you're not 
in a position to sign him on a full contract. So instead, you pay a slightly lower loan fee. And then at the end of the year on which he's been on loan, you then have to go and pay an agreed uh, an agreed transfer fee. And that could be linked to circumstances such as uh, Anthony Lockhart is, is on loan for a year. Let's say that that loan fee is, is a, a million pounds or a million and a half. And if Fulham are promoted, then you must buy him for an agreed fee of twelve million pounds, so I suspect that uh, you know Fulham went up and Brighton said, uh, "Look at the small print here," and Fulham said, "Well, yeah, he didn't have the greatest of seasons, but yeah, contract's a contract." Yeah, uh, I'm still shuddering at the idea of a Brighton and Home Albion two. To be perfectly honest, Kieran. Uh, well, we, we've not seen it ourselves. To be fair, I don't think we've scored more than one goal for about three or four months now. Yeah, but two Brighton and Hove Albion's game. I've, I've only got so much hate I can share, really. <laughs> I've got a lot of love to spread, Kieran, but I'm not sure I can spread that much hate over two Brighton's. Uh, get the chuckle ready, Kieran, because it's an accounting question coming up from Phil Withall. Hello, Phil. Thank you for your question. Uh, Phil says that Norwich City's most recent financial results show that in the 2018-19 period, wages accounted for... 162% of turnover, mainly due to promotion bonuses and the end of previous parachute payments. And once again, says Phil, this has been wondering if parachute payments lead to a more reckless approach to back-end payments to players that then have massive income impacts over a club's long-term security. Um, p- potentially it, it does. Uh, you know, parachute payments are good for the Premier League because it allows clubs like Norwich to hold on to players um, and therefore, they, you know, in theory, they've got a better squad. Uh, it allows clubs when they're recruiting players. Uh, again, you know, we, we we need to acknowledge where we are in the in the pecking order. So, so when the likes of Palace and Brighton you know, and Burnley and so on are trying to sign players on three or four year contracts, they'll say, if we are relegated, yes, there will be a relegation clause, but it will only be thirty percent of your wages. Uh, if if you, if you actually take a look at the impact of the the two different TV deals. For, if there were no parachute payments, you'd have to have ninety percent pay cuts uh, in the championship, and, and players players wouldn't come to the clubs in the first place. Mm. So it, it does it, it it does encourage a more casino approach in the championship, um, and you know trying to work your way through these contracts is, is a nightmare for uh, the the you know, the finance directors of the club. So it's it certainly is 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 a challenge. Um, especially as those uh, parachute payments taper off. Now, Steve Hayden has an interesting topical question here. He's talking about the advent of pay-per-view premiership games uh, and the fact that we can see just about every premiership game now if we want to. Steve said that brings a risk that fans will be driven towards cheaper illegal streams. How big a problem is this potentially? And, uh, And this is a question we've never actually answered before. Where do these streams originate from? They seem to be freely advertised on social media, which is interesting considering they are illegal. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it, it's a big issue for the Premier League. You know, they do their very best to close down these streams. They have tried to force the hands of the internet service providers to uh, giving the names of people who whose. Uh, IP addresses can be detected. The trouble is, you know, most people who are using these streams will be using a VPN uh, to to disguise uh, where, where they're watching the show from. So it, it is a game of constant cat and mouse. Um, 
that the Premier League has given out some numbers in the past, but I always take those with a with a pinch of salt because it assumes that every person who is watching a match on an illegal stream would otherwise mm. pay for it. Yep. And it's yep. a bit like you, know, you and I are both old enough to remember home taping is destroying the music industry. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, it, it it wasn't. You know, it it was simply an alternative way of recording songs and and putting two albums onto a single you know place when when you're going out with your Walkman and things of that nature. So um, it it is certainly a concern. Um, where do the streams originate from? They here here the the, the Premier League is, is a victim to its own success. It exports its signals. You know, it, it exports its product around the world. So therefore, you can intercept that. Uh, you know, in in the feed which is going through to uh, Iran or South Africa or Malaysia, and and you can immediately immediately effectively rebroadcast that um, on on one of these. Uh, you know, and I, and I won't name them because I don't think it's appropriate to do so. On, on one of these sites, which which people are aware of, the, these sites make their money from advertising because you say, you know, wh- where does the money people pay? And well, you're not paying. That's the whole thing. Uh, you know, the vast majority of the time, or um, you know, I, again, if if you're buying a hooky, uh, if you're buying a hooky Amazon Fire Stick from a bloke down the pub in those days when we used to go down the pub, um, where does that end up? Well, you know, the the Premier League will say in the hands of criminals. Um, the people doing it say, well, I'm, "I'm not a criminal. I'm an entrepreneur." You know, is, is it is organised crime involved? On occasions, yes, it is. Uh, a lot of the time, it isn't. You know, a lot of the time, it's it's you know, it, it, it's it's a one man job who who happens to be a bit of a of a, of a internet geek and and has worked out how to do this. And you know, if if you are going to buy those those hooky sticks, um, you know, it's it's buyer beware because as soon as the Premier League traces them down that they close them down so you know it you you might get it for one week you might get it for one month you might get it for nine months before the 50 quid that you paid disappears Mm. Uh, i never had a walkman i refused i have even now very harsh and illogical views on people listening to music outside a live situation or in their own house basically if you're going for a walk uh, pay attention to the world around you. If you're on a train, look out the window and listen to the noises. You don't need music. It's, it's a long story, Kieran, but I'm a Um Our penultimate, our penultimate question comes from Stuart White. Uh, Stuart White says, as a now retired financial director of a small business turning over six to seven million pounds per annum, small, Stuart, really? Um, Stuart says, I'm aware of the hoops you need to go through to provide evidence of transactions to company auditors. Now, there seems to be no doubt that Sheffield Wednesday artificially inflated their profits for the 17-18 year to avoid FFP. But Stuart's question is, and this is, again, a really interesting one that we haven't tackled. Stuart wants to know what action, if any, is being taken against the auditors who must have signed off those accounts as true and fair, despite knowing the relevant financial transaction didn't take place that year. This is not something we've considered before, Kieran, but it's a, when you point it out, it's a very simple and quite important question, isn't it? Yeah, this did form the basis for the EFL's charge against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, It it looks as if the sale of Hillsborough went through in August uh, 2018 and Sheffield Wednesday's accounts finished in July 2018. So in in respect of Stuart's questions, there does appear to be a case for saying they they shouldn't have been included in the 1718 accounts. 
what the auditors will say, I strongly suspect, was a verbal agreement had been made to sell the, the, the ground uh, before the end of July. So therefore, we felt duty bound and, and, the, and the company wanted to put the sale through that year. Um, and therefore, we were quite happy to do so. In terms of the issues of uh, taking it up with the with the authorities, um, the the Financial Reporting Council, who are sort of the who sort of wave the big stick in in terms of issues of this nature, mm. they they tend to investigate big deals. Yeah, and yeah, with no disrespect to Sheffield Wednesday, massive club as they are, yeah, um, they're, they're not really. Yeah, they're not the same as uh, you know Sir Philip Green, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, the tossers of that nature. Um, so they would they would only investigate if somebody wrote to them, um, because otherwise, you know, they, there's, they they've got a limited number of staff, limited li- limited amount of resources. If somebody writes to them, they they might take that up. I know, I know, I know of somebody who who did write to uh, the the financial reporting council in respect of another club in the championship who has unusual accounting conventions mm-hmm. okay let's not speculate so you, <laughs> what you're saying and from an, from an auditor's point of view uh, if a club accountant or club financial manager gives them verbal information the auditor has to take that in good faith basically and assume that it's correct yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there was certainly evidence uh, reading the uh, the charges that Sheffield Wednesday were trying to find a way to boost the profits in in twenty eighteen, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and 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 as far as the sale is concerned, Sheffield Wednesday have got a piece of paper which says we have sold Hillsborough mm. to uh, this this other company called Sheffield Three Limited, who happens to be the same. Uh, controlled by the same person that 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 is a that is a legal contract that's a legal transaction the date is is a messy issue um and i suspect that part of the reason why we've not seen the 2019 accounts from Sheffield Wednesday, even though they are substantially overdue, is the auditors are now turning around and says, "Well, you know, we just want to, we want, we want more evidence before we sign off on this year's accounts." And and uh, the, the owner of the club is is based in Thailand. Clearly, he can't get to the UK at present because of COVID, um, and, and that's causing things to 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 drag on a bit longer. Now, our final question, Kieran, comes from Dave Danu. Uh, I hope I've pronounced that right. D-A-V-E, Dave, that'll be right. <laughs> Never tire of that joke. Uh, Dave Danu says he thought he'd give us a hard question to answer. Dave, easy, hard, all the same to me, mate. I'll just read them out. Um, <laughs> Dave is half Mauritian and follows the Mauritian national team. Now, his question is, how much does the National League make in Mauritius and is it impacted by the island's obsession with the Premier League, and also our league finances connected to national team finances. As about 10 years ago, he remembers the national team had to forfeit games because of a lack of money. That is quite a hard question, actually, uh, Dave. I'll take a back seat while Kieran answers it. Right. Um, in terms of where would the uh, Mauritius Football Association get its funding from, it will get some funding from FIFA. So, so FIFA gives out uh, flat rate amounts to every single member 
Uh, and, and this is why membership of FIFA is actually important. I think there's there's presently 206, 207 members. Um, there are other countries, you know, the likes of Gibraltar and so on, who are not FIFA members, and they they don't get access to those funds. So that's why some countries have have spent spent you know a lot of time uh, wooing FIFA, trying to persuade mm. them to to get them to join. Um, so they they get money from FIFA, and and that money often includes bonuses in in a World Cup year, even though you've not qualified for the world cup because if the world cup's successful fifa will say we'll give it give you an extra half a million dollars um so that's where that's where some of the money comes from the remaining money will, will come from sort of the, the the standard sources which will be is there a uh, is there a tv agreement um now uh, i think the problem with with Mauritius, uh, you know, and no disrespect to it as a country it's a place i'm it's, it's on my list of places i want to visit um that uh, the Premier League is superbly successful. It's very well marketed. Mm. Uh, people will have an affiliation with Manchester United or Chelsea or Manchester City or you know Arsenal, Liverpool. You know, you know the, the the standard clubs which which attract overseas support. Um, and this means that the TV deal that the Mauritian FA signs with the the local broadcaster isn't going to generate a lot of money. Mm. Uh, similarly, with sponsorship deals, and that will also have an impact. Uh, if, if the national team is not successful, you know, we, we are used to, I think we're spoiled in this country, every time England play, Wembley sold out, you know, regardless yeah. of the opposition. Yeah. It, it's it, Going to watch England play is, is uh, uh, you know, it, it is a rite of passage. Remember the first time I went and how excited I was. Um, you know, and, and it is something which I, th- I think the FA has, has always been beneficial from. That's not the case in many other countries, Mauritius being one of them, you know, unless they have a good run and you know it's small population, relatively small teams. Um, so, so that's why historically we, we have seen some countries struggle to fulfil fixtures um, on an international basis, which which causes a bit of a headache for FIFA. Mm. Well, Kieran, as you know, Guy's new policy for ending the pod is that we we throw in a couple of good news stories. You know, the, the news is getting slightly better in terms of, of vaccinations and cases coming down, but we're still all in lockdown. And, and Guy quite rightly thought that we needed to highlight some of the good things that football fans and football clubs are doing. So we're happy to do that. And Owen Williams tells us about Wimbledon's local action group who are delivering food and IT supplies to local schools. That's brilliant. Liam Tyrrell got in touch about Cheshire-based West Ham fan John Rotomsky, who set up a group called Iron Supporting Food Banks, providing food and clothing in Newham, aided by generous donations from West Ham players and the chairman, David Sullivan. Spurs have fined their players £100,000 recently for breaching various COVID rules, which is not good, but have donated all the money to the NHS, which is... Uh, Berry raised £1,200 from streaming their Boxing Day game and donated to it to a local hospice. And Crystal Palace Football Club uh, have volunteered the use of uh, one of the stands as a local vaccination centre, which is which is good. And given the age of our first team squad, I imagine they've probably all been vaccinated already, I guess. <laughs> uh, and also, I, sh- yeah. I think it's probably best that Roy is always never less than 200 yards away from another jab, to be perfectly honest. But these are all, these are a tiny proportion of the good news stories that football is, is throwing up, and we are happy to highlight them. So please let us know your own good news stories about your fans or your club at questions at priceoffootball.com. And, of course, if you have any questions about any aspect of football, then get in touch with us at the same address, questions at priceoffootball.com. And as ever, Kieran, I shall hand the microphone 
figuratively and metaphorically and uh, almost literally over to you <laughs> say goodbye Thank you very much. Um, I, I think it, just in case we don't want to get involved in the Civil War, which is taking place in North Manchester, um, it's uh, it's AFC in relation to Berry rather you, than yeah. the Steve Dale version. Yes, um, and uh, <laughs> because otherwise we'll get three hundred tweets from, uh, yes, from yeah, people on yeah. various sides of the divide. Your, on, your, your um, Honour, I am happy to point that out, my lad, and put that in the records. I blame producer guy. He wrote that part of the script. He, he yeah, he did. You're quite right. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's throw producer guy under the solid gold bus that he's got in his back garden. <laughs> well, once again, folks, thanks for the feedback. Um, thanks for uh, subscribing to the show. If you're enjoying it, you know, press that subscription button. And if you could give us a review, five star review, it, it it makes us it makes a difference. We we do have quite a long list of guests coming up on the show. We do, um, and it. Uh, it helps us, you know. If, if they see us, see us. I think we actually we we managed the top thirty of of Apple Sports broadcast this week on the on the uh, on the back of the uh, Parag Marath uh, interview on Leeds United, you know. And that's 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 good. That's good for the, the business side of things. Doesn't matter what you say about us. You, you you can you can call us all the names under the sun as long as you give us that five stars. That's how it works. It's it's a strange algorithm, but. Uh, that Apple work that Apple uses, but Kevin and I, we're, we're an algorithm free zone and we just let them get on with it. <laughs> we are. Well, I'm, I'm not even entirely sure what an algorithm free zone looks like, but we are it. Uh, and just by way of a teaser, uh, fans of Everton Football Club and fans of women's football can look forward to some big interviews in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we shall see you soon. Take care. Bye bye now. Bye. I'm for the